0: Hey guys, I hope you're having a beautiful day and making the most of the gift that we have, which is the present. Now today we're going to go through a cool interaction. I have one of my good buddies, Curtis Lush here, and he's actually taking the time to go through my book, The Power of Mental Toughness. And he's going to be going through some questions to be asking me so I can give you a little bit more in-depth understanding from my background, my experiences, and everything I've gone through to write this book. But as well, he's a very ingenious person. And he asked us some very intelligent questions. So we are going to dive through some of these topics and hope you guys can tune in to take a good listen. All right, Curtis, we got a guest sitting here and he is joining. All right,
1: the microphone thing just about. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, for having, Thanks on. for having me on. Nice <laughs> No problem, no problem, buddy. Appreciate you here. here. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, I saw uh, you uh, back. I a back 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 about I the book. Possible. I was like, "Today, where I, where I want want sit, have, have been, been interview interview with you Jim about out. the great things you wrote, and I'm happy that we're here today to be able to sit." Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk right into this? Yeah, man. Because sure. I got a lot of questions, but I want to start just with a big overview kind of thing, and the big message that I took away from the book. Um, I would argue, and you likely argue, that the big message of this book is that sport. And being an athlete is not just about physical performance. It's really about the mental mindset that one puts into their performance. And it's not <laughs> that it's not even just like on the day of your mindset. It's the whole process and practice around it. Um, one thing within the book that I was curious about, though, is if you were to do a breakdown percentage-wise for an athlete, about if you do a composition of athlete, let's say, of the percent that is body and the percent that is mindset, What would be that percentage breakdown for you and why? Well that's a really good
0: question because going through my journey, I have met a lot of athletes that are very talented and when you get to different levels, right, you naturally get to the point where everyone's great. You know, when you're going through high school, everyone sticks out a little bit. They Mm -hmm. go to OFSA, they go to the next level, whatever it may be from where we are, but they tend to really shine above everyone else. But as soon as they get to the level where they're amongst peers that are the same level, you start to see who can really handle that adversity and challenges and a lot more failure because mm-hmm. then the consistency gets a lot less of the success that they're having and that they're used to because they're getting praised all the time. They're feeling like no matter where they go, they have confidence, they're always gonna be at the top. But as soon as you're around everyone else that has that level of ability, then all of a sudden it changes how much confidence and self-esteem they have. Mm-hmm. So the percentage-wise, this is interesting. Because I've watched some sports nowadays that I can tune in and pay attention to their mindset. And I I really dial it in from a perspective now compared to when I was younger, that almost, I would say, I want to put it around a 60-40. I almost want to make it 50-50. The reason I say that is there's people who I've met that were not the fastest, not Mm -hmm. the biggest, strongest, or, you know, someone you would say looks the best athlete. Mm -hmm. But they had such a good head on their shoulders they were consistent with their work ethic. They knew how to be very much in the moment and be very present. So that was for me something that I, I noticed with watching professional tennis players. You know, someone that brings to light is curious. This guy is such an amazing talent, and he should be always in the top ten. But he's like hundredth in the world because he doesn't have the mindset to stay consistent for what his talent could be. And his talent could be better than like Federer. You know? <laughs> But his approach to the game is so much more focused on the aesthetics and everyone looking at him and how cool he looks and just kind of playing on the audience and really being dove in to the crowd and being more focused on all those superficial aspects and very has the lack of control, I would say, to control his emotions and when the rally doesn't go his way and not let that be a detriment to his next serve and his next one.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you can see other athletes that are different. But on my experience personally, for me, I've been fortunate that I had a little bit higher level of my athleticism. And it made me get to a level that my mindset could lack a little bit to get to that point. But as soon as I got to there, then I had experiences that I had a lot of emotional roller coasters. And I had to learn lessons the hard way because I was gifted with a little bit more athleticism Mm -hmm. than, say, the mindset. There's some people who are a little bit the other way, and they do get a lot of places too. But sometimes your talent can get you a little bit further than the other person, but that doesn't mean you get to stay there, or that doesn't mean you get to reach the pinnacle of elite sports. It just means you get the experience of it. Because people will take a chance on you, especially when you're 16, 17, 18. People will say there's so much upside. You're young, you're youthful. Oh, Maybe they'll come into their own. Maybe they'll figure it out. And then by the time you're 21, 22, they go, Oh, well, are they starting to figure it out or not? We'll, we'll give them a little bit more. And by the time you're uh, 23, 24, then realistically it's like, Well, if you haven't figured it out by now and you're not that great of a talent, then potentially they're going to move on to that next 16 to 18 year old and give that next try. Right? So that's kind of the interesting thing about sports in general. But yeah, I would say a 60-40, forty. I'm going to start at sixty. If you're <laughs> saying sixty forty, are you saying sixty percent mind or sixty percent body on that? I'm I'm going. The reason I say sixty percent body, okay. is because there's athletes at the highest level yeah. who don't necessarily have the best mindset. They have a good, good. enough mindset, so they're a good, good enough player to play professional at the you know the highest level that gets you on TV. But they're not going to be all stars.
1: Yeah, and they might not be there for more than five years. Yeah. Right? So you, you but their with... athleticism got them. You bring up a really interesting aspect about the age, right? That like you grew up as a younger kid, that natural talent that comes on through. So it is more the body. You can score the goals, you can play the defense, <laughs> you can do all those things. Yeah. But then it does get to that point in your in your development that you are now playing against equal competition. That it just keeps growing. For what what age was it for you? Like when did that equal competition begin for you that you're just like, oh, I really gotta change how I play the game. So, because I chose to make a leap uh, at the age of fifteen, mm-hmm.
0: really moving to Liberty, right, yeah. over to yeah. Ontario, then I started playing with a level of kids that were around my quality. But I would say it was only based on where my mindset was at the time. If I was confident in myself, mm-hmm. I still shined above, yeah. and I'm very fortunate for that. There was still that slight separation of my talent. It was just their level of practice. When you have better facilities, when you have better coaches, when you have more practices, naturally, you're going to be a little more polished, right? When I was going through the process, I was still a bit raw. Mm -hmm. So my talent was still shining above, but I would have inconsistencies of going like four for four and then 0 for four with four strikeouts. Yeah. Right? So I wasn't as consistent at the time as maybe some of the other guys, but I had a lot more upside to look forward to. Now, I would say definitely 15, 16, because then I started trying to play for um, the Ontario Cup, yeah. which gets you to potentially be on Team Canada if you go and do well with Ontario. And, you know, Greg Hamilton, who's usually the coach for the junior team, if he likes you, then he'll give you an invite to, I believe, a Dominican trip. They take a, a good amount of guys there. And if you uh, excel or you perform well, then they might bring you on to the next trip, which might be. I believe going to spring training at Disney. So then you get to play against more minor league teams, a lot of guys in double A, triple A, and it's a good exposure for a lot of scouts to see you. But as well, you're getting to represent your country. You're getting to be that next level echelon of of people. And you naturally just kind of get put into a category of where you're expected to go to a division one or get drafted because you're just a part of that group, right? And, And for me, I almost had the opportunity to be a part of Team Canada but I was just a little too old. By the time I really put it all together, I started getting stronger. I was hitting the ball better, I was more consistent. Then I was actually too old to be on the junior team. So I had the opportunity of course that year to be drafted, but it didn't end up working out in that regards. But I would say 15, 16. And that's usually for most sports, because also that was the first time I went to like tournaments in Florida, Texas, Oklahoma. And I started seeing guys for the most part here, maybe throw mid-80s, upper 80s, we got started seeing guys start throwing 94, 95, right? Guys that are six foot three, 200 pounds, and they're 16 years old. Yeah. So that competition jump just took a massive leap, and, you know, I always wondered, what's in the water in Texas and California? Well, there's <laughs> oh, there's a lot of water, water you know? you what's what's is in the that water? <laughs> These guys are just huge. So, so, luckily nowadays, days, the level of training has gotten better in Canada. Yeah. And you have more of the Josh Naylers and the Bo Naylor, you know, two brothers, and their next brother is probably going to be a big blue year down the road, too, if he it keeps his head straight. So, yeah. there's a lot of Canadians who are coming out, you know, uh, Tyler O'Neill with the Cardinals. There's just, there's so many good. good Canadians that have come out of these programs, either from Vauxhall or Langley Blaze or, you know, Ontario Blue Jays, Team Ontario, They've, they've picked it up because a lot of guys who have went through the process played pro ball. They've come back now and become coaches with these teams. Yeah. As well, the facilities have gotten better. More parents are investing more money into their kids so they can do a lot of these tournaments and trips and, and amazing uh, exposure aspects for these kids in their, their next yeah. level step. Especially for you know getting a university scholarship or potentially the 1% who get to get drafted um you need to be playing the best competition of all times yeah. and for me i got to when i was 16 play against Mookie bats. right i got to yeah. play against carlos correa i got to play against guys that are all-stars yeah and that told me especially now down the road that i was in a pretty high level of baseball to be rubbing shoulders with those kind of guys Yeah. but it also i had a lot of failure in some of those tournaments because i had not seen that level of velocity Mm -hmm. or breaking balls or just the amount of people, you know, the scouts and the pressure to perform. It was something different for me. For them, it might just be another high school game. So you could also see how they were keeping, you know, their emotions in check and how their confidence and their swagger, as we kind of put it, how they walked on the field and behaved. It was almost like they deserved it, right? Whereas we were kind of feeling our way around so it was definitely a cool experience, but 16
1: for sure. Okay, yes. that's good to know. Yeah. And you, you touched on something, uh, the way that I've kind of structured my questions has kind of been based off the of different chapters that I read, yep. and about the different aspects of mindset that you had. You kind of led into one question I had, particularly about patience. Mm-hmm. Now for the folks listening, uh, one big thing that you may or may not know about Julian, we come from a pretty small town overall, <laughs> We come from a place, Sarnia, and Sarnia, like, well, it does have baseball culture here, like, Julian's right. The facilities, like, I remember back in the day, you used to go to 402 Golf Land as yeah, one of your places. To go to the padding cage. It's there. like a softball. <laughs> and, like, it doesn't even exist in our city anymore. Like, wow. we, even before coming on, talked about the state of sport here in Sarnia and about some of the, uh, for future athletes, the ability for them to grow in the city yeah. and how hard and challenging it is. So, there was a time growing up that, Julian, you were clearly like above the rest for athletes. Like there was a good three or four solid years where we'd be playing with you and be like, oh boy. Like Joey has been around the team here a little bit, you know, like he he he's way above the rest here on the stuff. But it, it it was a thing of patience though for you too, right? Because you're in that awkward transition stage that Sarnia couldn't do it for you anymore. You're at that point that to stay in Sarnia is gonna be more damage for your development than going somewhere else. So my question is, for athletes that may be in a similar situation as you, in smaller or rural communities that may not have access to certain uh, features, competition, what's your advice to staying patient and being able to develop while you're waiting for the next step to come for you or that lucky break? Well, the key thing
0: is always staying grounded. And one thing that I had a little bit of an issue with when I was younger is because I excelled with sports and I was, you know, I guess you could say above the rest for the most part. A lot of games we could beat, I just mm-hmm. had natural instinct and competitiveness that I have to be thankful for my parents Yeah, and I just always have the knack to work at things and if I don't get it, I'll go work at it and then if I watch a slow-mo, I'll slow-mo the slow-mo.
1: So I'm so analytical, <laughs> yeah. like
0: my, my girlfriend, she's a tennis player. And now that we start playing tennis, my instincts come out to want to get better, that I can try and compete with her. I shouldn't beat her because she was a Division yeah. Two tennis player. But. Um, she won't let that happen. She won't. <laughs> <laughs> She'll hear this one day and laugh. But um, I went, you know, and started watching more Federer videos and the Dow. And I'm watching them break down the slow mo. And then I'm like mm-hmm. putting my video in slow mo of the slow mo. And I'm watching it like 50 times to be analytical because, because that's, that's just how my brain works. I like to get the mechanics down to a science, and then I just keep working at it until it feels exactly how I want it to see, right? Um, <laughs> but patience. Uh, the biggest thing is I struggled with that at times when I was younger because of the ego. The ego got in the way where I could go about doing things a certain way, but I actually stopped playing certain sports along the way. If my team it was struggling or that we weren't good, we weren't going to win yep. as a team, I'd go play a different sport. Like, I stopped playing baseball for like three, four years, and I played soccer, competitive yep. travel soccer. I remember that. From when I was probably about, I'd say, 9, 10, till about 13. And then, when I started turning 13, I went back to baseball more, and started getting serious with that. And then, by the time I was 15, after a good couple of years, is when I transferred over into to Ontario. But, having patience. You have to remember that when you're on a journey to play sports... If this is something you truly love, then it's, it's a journey, right? When you're younger, you might not have the brain development to see things a different way, mm-hmm. And it does take time to mature and grow up and take a step back and really reflect and see the steps you went through to be the person you're becoming. It, it is challenging when you're in a small town because you may really stand above the rest. But that should just give you a more uh, self-confidence that if sport is something you want to do, potentially there is a good chance you have that opportunity because even from small towns, I mean, you know, there's many guys that we grew up with that became really good athletes. Yes. You know I mean? We got to go to school with Kyle Jackson, yeah. right? We got to go to school with, um, man, if you look at it in terms of just competing against other athletes, right? Like I, I knew Nick Bucci growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Who became a triple A player with the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Right. But even people that injured out, right? Like right? There's a lot of hockey stars, players that. track. Yeah. There's track stars like, you know, I, I saw like a, a good friend, Tyler Annett, go to school yeah. for track and he could have went even probably higher if things would have turned out different, but you know, everyone has their life and their choices and it is what it is, but patience is probably one of the hardest things to naturally have. It is a, it is a difficult virtue definitely to obtain, but it's about the focus and being more engaged with just enjoying yourself and having fun. Mm-hmm. That was something that my fun was winning. So yeah. it was so competitive to the point where all I was focused on was winning. And I was sometimes missing the aspect of having fun. So to stay patient, especially if you're in a small town and, you know, you're not necessarily at the point where you can just leave and go to a big city or go to a big team, is to keep making it fun and not just lose um, the passion for that sport because you're not getting the level of competition that's engaging for your overall competitiveness, yeah. right? So it does take a little bit of time. But I also saw it as I was just learning and developing. Yeah. The aspect of patience, really for me, I didn't even see it then. I yeah. wasn't even focused on it because like how my mindset was then, how life is when you're living with your parents and everything's cushy. It, it was, it's a different you know, thought yeah. process. Um, but yeah, you just got to keep having
1: fun and just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So a few times this year, you're going to actually put your coach hat on. So this is one of those times <laughs> where we're going to change the aspect a little bit. It's not the athlete hat, it's going to be the coach hat. Mm-hmm. Cause you're going to get situations where you're going to see the athlete. And I want you to kind of comment on the athlete a little bit, right? You have a chapter all about growth. And one of the things you specifically talk about in that chapter is learning to learn. You just kind of went into detail about where I want to go here yeah. about an athlete that you have on your team that learns by winning. Right. learns by playing and that's the main way they want to learn. Yeah. By reading the book, you notice, oh, there's many more ways to learn. Yeah. There's many more aspects in learning. Yes. So being a coach, how would you want to approach an athlete like this on your team? Because sometimes you want that person with the drive. You want that person with the killer instinct to win at all costs. But A, it can kind of go above their boundaries a little bit. It can do more damage than good for team morale. How do you focus on working with that athlete on your team to make sure that You know, for their own development even, that, like, learning by playing and learning by winning is not the only way to do it. There is other aspects that are really important to be that full-rounded athlete. Yeah, and that's a good point because there's a
0: lot of people who, if if they they don't win, they think they're a failure.
1: Mm -hmm. And when it comes to sports,
0: you're naturally supposed to make mistakes. But mistakes, you know, even wording it that way, mistakes are when you repeat the same thing over and over. That's a mistake. When you attempt something in learning, when you're trying to be more efficient, when you're trying to be more effective, when you're competing, naturally you're going to fail, right? But mm-hmm. that's how you learn. And honestly, what I've learned from other great coaches of mine mm-hmm. is sometimes you're going to learn the biggest lesson on success by failing. Because the things you fail at are going to help you have more success. Mm-hmm. So I really approach that athlete and show them that you have growth from success and failure. If you had success, that means you probably put in the right preparation, you were practicing on time, mm-hmm. You know your mind was in the present, maybe some things went your way, you had a few good bounces, but overall, you won because you took the right steps to win, if it's all in your control, right? There's all these other aspects, umpires, referees, yeah. your team, whatever it could the, be. The unforeseen, right? Right. depends on a team sport versus an individual sport, 100%, mm-hmm. right? But if it was a team sport, say baseball specifically, and I had an athlete who, you know, if they only learn from winning, that means that when they fail and lose, that they take it as a bad thing, right? And that they don't really look at it as a way to grow. So it would just be reminding them that the ones who are the most successful and that they look up to as the elite athletes have failed more times than most of those athletes are even willing to attempt in trying to become... So just reminding them that if you want to do the best, you have to learn also how to lose because when you learn to lose, then you earn the right to win and it'll change your mindset on how you work towards your practice, how you prepare better. If you always win and it always goes your way, well, there is going to come a time where you're going to meet an athlete who's just as good and may have a little bit more of his stuff today or her and it's going to turn out that they're on the upper hand. But that should only give you the encouragement to go work a little harder. Maybe work a little bit more mindfully, I should say. And be more in tune with what's gonna be the adjustments that you can make to have a better approach. So that the next time around, if there's a strategy involved, if there's, again, a certain way of thinking to changing how the outcome could be, you're just being very present and being very in the moment and just just control control what you you can can control. Because sports is is about competing. competing. And someone does need to win, someone does need to lose. But not always the winner is the most talented. Sometimes it is the person who just had a better strategy, who yeah. executed better at the right moments, and some bounces went their way. That's just how sports are. But it's also the respect of having good camaraderie and being a good um, team sport that yeah. if you do lose, you tip your cap and say, like, hey, like, you just outperformed me today. So I'm going to try and practice and get better and have a better approach to trying to get a come come in my favor next time. But definitely there is many athletes who struggle with failure. It was something that I was hard on because we have this perfectionist mindset that Mm -hmm. a lot of people, not just kids as a whole, keep that in their ideology. That is the way they go about living. If you go in their house, if you go in their car, everything is like OCD and perfectionism, but that also limits your opportunity for growth. Because then you're set inside this boundary of what you think is perfect. But when you stay open-minded, that boundary could expand to new uh, avenues that you never even knew were a possibility. Yeah. Because you're staying with a growth mindset. You're staying with the idea that anything can teach me. Anyone can teach me. You yeah. know, I can learn from a baby. I can learn from that eight year old man that has a lot of wisdom, you yeah. would say. But it's just a perspective and reminding the athlete that you're going to learn from both sides of it. And to keep going forward is the biggest step. If you win, okay, what did you do correct? Okay, and let's keep working at the weaknesses, because your weakest link is going to be your dashboard. But and if you're focused on the things as well when you have losses or you don't win, on um, what were the things that led to that, was it something in your control? Okay, let's go work on it. Let's try and yep. get better at it. Maybe we already knew that was a weakness. Was it out of your control? Okay, well, then that's something we don't need to focus on. It's just a part of the game. Let go of that, and let's keep working on the weaknesses to get your strengths even better. Because yeah. your strengths can only grow to the limit of your weakness. Mm-hmm. it's always going to hold you back and be a hindering aspect, right? I always heard my coach say, like, whoever's the weakest link on the team is going to be the reason we don't make it somewhere, like, right? uh, yeah. you know, to a regional or a super regional or any of those things in Division One baseball. So yeah, that would be my approach to teaching them growth. Yeah. And, re- and reminding them of the importance importance of both sides of
1: you it know, for sure. Alrighty. Well, interesting you bring all that up too, because one of your chapters as well is on positivity. Mm-hmm. I found this to be a particularly interesting chapter to be honest, because you bring up you bring up about the whole world around you right now. We're in a world where you can constantly have an echo chamber, right? That like whether it be social media or just individuals around you, like there's always people that can be positive reinforcers. But I also want to kind of look at the opposite aspect, too, because we also know of stories, the athlete makes one bad move. That bad move costs a championship, mm-hmm. it costs a game, it costs a record, it costs all these things. And sometimes these anonymous individuals will come on and just rip the individual alive online and cause like very significant harm to the individual's mindset, positivity, psyche, all those things. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the questions I wanna ask, if you have a really big game that you're about to do, a really big feat that you're about to accomplish, how much time prior to it mm-hmm. and how much time after it should you probably, like go into your own mindset with it? Like go within either the team mindset, within the personal mindset, keep away from social media, keep away from all these things. Like locking in at that moment, because sometimes it takes a little bit of time after an event happens, whether a success or a failure, for you to have perspective on it after right. versus the people that are just online are just going to rip you live out the top. Like if you miss a goal and you hurt their Saturday night when they sat and watched <laughs> yeah. you, like that that's not understanding the athlete, mm-hmm. right? That's not understanding their mindset. So for young athletes out there that really get torn by this, like what would you advise for stuff like that? Because it's getting worse every day, unfortunately, when it comes to the echo chamber. Yeah.
0: For me, I would say it's very important on my routine and I'll speak of yeah. my experience. First, when I had a big game coming up, that whole day leading up to the game depends again if it's afternoon or if it's later in the evening. Sometimes baseballs at seven o'clock, right? Like yeah. you know certain sports, and sometimes you have a one one o'clock afternoon matinee kind of. Um, typically, it's all about waking up in the rise and making yourself feel as good as possible right outside, right? If you gotta go have a good breakfast, or you gotta go do a good stretch and workout, or sometimes meditation, something that's going to keep you very present and relaxed because relaxed muscles are going to be the ones that are working most effective. So definitely if you're stimulated or if you're playing video games or doing things that get your mind too sped up, it's going to lead into potentially overthinking or being anxious before your game, which is not going to help your results because it's just going to make you look too far ahead into trying to create an outcome before the steps are in front of you yeah. to jump over the hurdle. Because you can't jump over the hurdle until it's in front of you. So if you're trying to leap beforehand, you could just really end up messing yourself up. So really for me, I try to stay away from my phone, from social media, and really just dive into a cool music playlist. Something that's going to yeah. keep me relaxed, calm, and very in a good spirit. Feeling you know joyful, yeah. playful. And then I would go through some type of a walkthrough envisioning and visualization of already performing those tasks, already seeing myself hitting a home run or making a huge catch or seeing a ball off the wall and making a perfect double cut that as a team, throw a guy out at third base. Like all the scenarios that could happen for me as in my position, I already see myself excelling and doing those correctly. So that when the time comes and there's pressure, I just feel like it's muscle memory to go do it. My body knows what to do because we've been practicing, I put the work in and I trust my abilities. But the more I could visualize, also the more stress got taken off my shoulders to go into those situations with a good level-headed mindset and to just be very present in the moment, but also be a step ahead that when something's going to happen, I already know what I'm going to do to this. It's not going to make me overly reactive. I'm reacting to what I'm going to do. But at the same time, I'm going to focus on how I can respond to it correctly. And that's what makes great athletes, is the ones who are a step ahead. Mm-hmm. And it's like they already knew to be there, right? Yeah. But if they were, you know, over-anxious or trying to force it or one step too far ahead, then they are going to be at the wrong spot at the wrong time. And they are maybe missed that opportunity to score that goal or hit that good pitch or whatever you be, whatever sport. So it's really important to find ways to keep yourself grounded keep yourself very present, and not get in tune you know, with what anyone else is saying. Now, for me, being that most of my experience was Division I baseball and a little bit of you know, lower-level pro baseball, we didn't necessarily have the amount of <laughs> Twitter tweets and, yeah. and all of the nonsense that these very high-level professionals are having. So it completely changes what you can look at and hear someone ripping you or you know, bringing you down or putting some type of negative energy towards you for you to be focused on that and have worry or doubts or insecurities. Because as an athlete, the ones who are the most confident, the ones who believe themselves the best, and the ones that are just out there having fun, are the ones that tend to have a lot of success, right? But it is very important to always find the right ways to just stay there in the present. So I would give myself minimum, right? If 7 o'clock game, you you might go about the day and do certain things, but a minimum of at least four hours before that game, yeah. to really start getting the mind focused on what you're going to be doing. Being more present, seeing the visualization, making sure yourself is very calm, relaxed. If you got to go play a little game, a little ping pong, a little foosball with the boys, yeah. whatever you got to do to kind of keep yourself in a good spirit and make yourself feel a little bit more at ease. That's very important going into something that's going to have stress or pressure. Right? Yeah. It could be good stress when you're putting yourself in those challenges and adversity. Yeah. But you have to know how to also channel it and use that energy in towards your performance to make you excel and not make you freeze. Because you go into fight or flight mode, there's times where you're gonna fight and there's times where you're just gonna kind of flee away and you're gonna get frozen. That's what happens whenever you see athletes get frozen, I kind of say, is when they were overthinking in the moment and they got paralysis analysis. Yeah. And they got to get stuck. What do I do? Instead of just trusting their muscle memory, trusting their practice, yeah. trusting what they, their hard work they put in, and then go out there and just let it happen. Let your instincts take over. Let your intuition of where you should be naturally yeah. guide you. That is really crucial. Now, mm. after, right? Say the, it's a loss, right? If you're, yeah. you're saying. At the end of the day, one thing that I always had trouble troublesome time with was leave it on the field. Yeah. Don't take it off the field. It is very challenging, especially when your whole identity, when your persona is this athlete, when this is your life. You don't work a nine to five. This is your career as you put it. Mm-hmm. So there is a connection that you get to your performance, to your results. And people also hold you accountable to that and hold you responsible that if you're gifted with this, this blessing or, or um, the right word I wanna say is, uh, I can't remember, but it's going to put you in the path that's going to help you to succeed, right? And for many athletes, it it can be very troublesome to make the right decision off the field, to not get angry, to not get upset, and to not make it that you're a bad teammate now. And there was times where, you know, I didn't have success. So coming off the field from that game, you kind of beat yourself up, right? You make it actually worse for yourself, than just leaving it all on the field and knowing that you put your best effort out, right? And at the end of the day that's all you can do. But there is then at a certain level of sport where people are gonna bash you. People could go on TV and talk, you know, you know, very harshly of you and put you down. And that's not gonna end up doing anything good for your psyche or your mental health but they're also there as a business. Those people yeah. who are there or the people who are fans, they can say whatever they want because they don't live in your shoes, they don't know the lifestyle, they don't know the hardship and the challenges to be that level of an athlete and the pressure you still have on you to feel good, play good, and compete against people who are just as good or some could be better at times and get the result that they want. You know, Their opinion of you means nothing. So you have to be just very uh, resilient Mm-hmm. to understanding people are always gonna talk, but many people can't walk it. Yeah. So if they're talking but they can't walk it, why are you listening to them? For the people who have lived that experience, if you ever look at you know past athletes or people who are on broadcasting and sports net, they're focused on saying the reality of what happened. Oh well this player made a really good play here and this person was you know in the right position at the right time and maybe the coach made a good call. Yeah. about all the variables of what made that happen. They won't bash the individual saying that they're not good or they're not this. They might just yeah. see the aspects of the game. So there's two ways to look at it. The person who doesn't know is just going to say the superficial things. Oh, they're lazy or they yeah. were this or that. And it's really not going to lead them in a direction that is truthful. But then you have the people who understand and been in those people's shoes who will commentate in a much more <laughs> beneficial way yeah. for the athlete. That it's it's not degrading them or putting them down or making them feel like they're not a good human being because you lost yeah you know what i mean it's, you have to have a winner and a
1: loser so respect you have a situation where you, let's say that was in a one game example right like yeah you, you missed a big moment but then let's talk about a slum right yes. all of a sudden now you're in a slum you've had several games you keep striking out when you try steal bases you're not being able to steal How's the coach responding to that? Like, what, what would the mindset of the coach be in that situation to help a player through a slump to get their positive uh, pos- positivity back yeah, as know. well, get their groove back on and get that streak back on? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, when it comes to dealing with a slump,
0: you know, I'll, I'll give you another experience. There was a time when I was 17 and we were doing a big fall trip playing against a bunch <laughs> of universities, so, the nice thing about the Ontario Blue Jays is we would go on this fall trip to do a lot of exposure to play against other colleges, universities, and states because in the fall semester, uh, schools can't play against other schools. You can only scrimmage. Um, and I know in JUCO you can, but in like Division One, Division 2 I'm pretty sure, you can only play against yourselves or high school teams or people who are not like of your, your league and, and your conference. So there was a time where I was really trying to change my mechanics, okay? And I was struggling with a little bit of my timing and the, the plane or the back path I was taking. So I was, like, popping too many balls up or I was rolling over too many balls. Mm-hmm. So I was dealing with, you know, growing and my strength and, you know, the challenge of trying to perform to have college coaches like you and all that good stuff. So you try to force it a little bit, right? Yeah. Sometimes the at-bats... I wouldn't necessarily let it come to me. i try to go after each pitch or be a little bit too aggressive. And, and that will definitely have some repercussions. Um, but there was a time I was probably like 0 for 25. Yeah. And for me, that's like a decent slump. That's probably at least four or five games of like just not having any success. And, you know, once you get past, that, say, five games, you're in a slump, right? You're no. not really breaking out of it. And I cried on the bus. Like I 100% had so many tears on some of the bus rides like near the end because I'm trying so hard. I'm working so hard on mechanics, but it wasn't really just the mechanics. It was definitely my mental side that was not trusting my abilities. That's why every at-bat I was trying something new with my hands and trying where my elbow needed to be and trying to be so mechanical with the physical instead of just understanding, put the ball on the bat and play hard. Right? And whatever you've been putting into practice for your mechanics is just going to happen. If you try to think mechanics while you're playing, you're not going to succeed. I'll tell you that firsthand. Yeah. So you have to always remember there's time for practice and there's time just to play. And it can be difficult at times when you're competing to not get analytical, to not be mm-hmm. so critical on yourself that you didn't get this hit because it was your mechanics. Well, maybe that pitcher made a really good pitch, right? Yeah, there's it's other beyond aspects your control. that was beyond yeah. my control that I have to tip my cap. Or maybe my mindset was too focused on the mechanical aspect, so Mm -hmm. I wasn't actually as dialed in to square the baseball up and have a better contact with it. So, again, just where my head was at was too focused on my physical instead of just being in tune with the game. So I Mm -hmm. wasn't present enough in those at-bats. And then once you kind of have a few, I guess, hits and good success, you almost take that pressure off yourself to be mechanical because you're like, oh, this is it. And then you kind of go through a little bit of a struggle again and you say like, oh, maybe I do need to change it again. And there's that lack of trust. Mm-hmm. Right? Trust creates peace on your inner self. It allows you to just have that good self-esteem that like, yes, I got this. Yeah. I got the right tools and techniques that I can just put this into practice and it's going to work out. And as you're developing as a kid, especially for me, I was behind a lot of kids in the States. Because, because us Canadians are, are raw yeah. with a lot of our skills. We don't have as much time to practice and compete, compete at the level they do. W- we got winter so, too, right? And we have winter. <laughs> now, and if you don't have a nice facility, that changes, and you're not playing all your round. sometimes compared to the kids in the south. Now, of yeah. course, there's kids all over the north. They have to go through the same grind. Yeah. But it, it's just a little different culture here. Mm-hmm. So definitely when it comes to a slump, if I were in the coach's position, I would have to remind that kid to have fun. Because yeah. at the end of the day, why are you playing? You're supposed to be playing to have fun. Competing is great, right? And competing to the point where you win is even better, awesome. But that's kind of like the cherry on top Mm -hmm. of the cake. It's not necessarily the only thing that you should be doing because your whole life you've won and lost, Yeah. but didn't stop you from going back out to play again when you did lose. You wanted to still go play the game because you enjoyed the game, right? So if you're out there only to get the praise of being the winner, and every time you lose, it really takes a harsh, on, a harsh toll on you. Well, then you're going to be put into a slump at some point. It's like the universe naturally does it so that you have to learn this lesson. And usually, for anyone who I've been with or I've watched or seen in sports, you can see their mental side is really taking a toll yeah. when they're going through a slump. You don't see great athletes who are consistent with the results have those roller coasters of their mental side. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: a lot of times there's like a very big high of when you're on cloud nine, it feels like everything you do, it's just going your way. But then there's the flip side of that where you're on the bottom now. And it feels like no matter what you do, you're, you couldn't even hit water if you fell out of a boat. (laughs) Like, you know, it's so difficult and it feels like no matter how hard you try, it just won't go your way. But with sports, this is where that 60, 40 comes in from the whole mental to physical. Because yeah, 60% will keep you on the field, but 40% might not allow you to play. You could be on the bench if you can't figure yep. out that other 40% to make the hole. So for a slump, it's usually, they're so focused on the mechanics or the analytical side or being critical of their physical nature, instead of fun. So I would just remind him, you know, or her, you need to go out there and find a way to enjoy the moment. Maybe you take a little bit more time before the game to do more visualization see yourself having more success. Be a little bit more positive in your thinking before you're going to the game so that you can let that fruition and manifest easier. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have it in your head and believe it already, it's very difficult to achieve it. Especially when other people have strong psyches or are doing those techniques to ensure they have success on the opposite side of the field of you. So you need to be doing the same level of mental training and the mindfulness work to just keep yourself positive, but as well, sometimes there's a lack of gratitude that can come into play. That -hmm. they're forgetting the opportunity they have right in front of them and they're just being so hard on themselves. When they're realizing, hey, you have the opportunity to play sports at the collegiate level or professional level, you know what I mean? And if it's even in high school or it's at a lower level, it's just reminding them for sure about the fun. But when you get to a certain level where it's almost like your career or your next uh, stepping stone in your life for what you want to do, even in college, Mm -hmm. then you have to just really reiterate the importance of the steps beforehand of being more positive in your thinking, slowing down a little bit more, go listen to your favorite music a little bit more, you yeah. know, spend time around the people who keep you in a more joyful state and a little bit more happier feelings. And you feel very at ease and restful and relaxed. Yeah. When you're at practice, maybe show up a little earlier and let's put in a little extra work together on those specific things that you feel are troubling yeah. and get that out. Let go of that insecurity of not trusting your ability to do that properly. Mm-hmm. And when you go out the next time, come out being relaxed, confident, and just trust what you put into practice. And whatever's supposed to happen, will happen. And remind them, try not to force it. You don't need to force that next hit. If they have to walk you 40 times before you get your next hit, that's great. You're getting on base. You're doing the job for the team. But sometimes in in sports, we try to force it instead of just letting the play come to us Mm -hmm. and then respond accordingly to make it the best outcome for that situation, which is a very challenging thing for a lot of athletes, especially in baseball. You wanna go get that fastball. You wanna go chase that high fastball, right? And then put you in a bad count, and before you know it, you're doing uh, something that's, other than walking back to the dugout, it's probably not a good at bat. It's not gonna be helpful for the team. So definitely a slump is something that's mental. Yeah. It's usually not physical, because they wouldn't be at that level if their physical talent wasn't putting them on the field or on that team. Yeah. But it is the focus to having fun, staying positive, doing some more mindfulness work, putting a little extra work at practice to get rid of those quirks or things that are bugging you. And then when you're on the field, just let it happen. Just yeah. do it and be as present and enjoying the process and just control mm-hmm. what you can control. And just have that good, quiet confidence. Don't need to go out there and be boasty. Be a better teammate, you know? So when you're having a slump, there's teammates who will be there to support you. That was one of the cool things I saw in my experience. If there was times that I wasn't being a great teammate and things weren't going my way in the results, there wasn't that many people, other than like maybe a few individuals yeah. that I was close with, that might come and give me a pat on the back and be like, "Hey, you're all right. You got this. Just you know, try a little different, or you know, yeah. go at it again and give it your best shot." But if you have a better mindset towards your team and you're a better team player, mm. then you're gonna have more of your team try to pick you up and be like, "Hey, man, you got this. You're good. You know, go out there with that, that next approach and, and just believe in yourself." And then that good talk around you and good energy could also help you break out of that slump. So yeah. it's like be a good teammate, have fun, stay positive, and control what you can control. And just keep trying to remind them of those things until they have some success, and then share a good smile and laugh at them and be like, see, yeah. it was all fine, you know, you, you figure it out, we'll keep working on it, and then just keep helping them grow,
1: for sure. Well, thanks, Coach, on that one. <laughs> um, you know, it's really interesting when you talk about positivity in that way, especially breaking out of a slump. I, I, I want to bring in more of a personal story that – you know, this might be a little like different of a topic on it, but um, I remember your first year that you were playing down in the states. You came on back for a visit, and we had talked, and we were talking about how things went with the draft, how things went with the year, mm-hmm. and you had brought up and correct me on the story if I'm wrong, because, right? Because like I, I just want to get a better understanding. Because like when I was reading, I was thinking about when I read the chapter where positivity goes wrong, right. A little bit, yeah, and about the coaching staff of this particular team <laughs> and their routine and method. Right. And I want you to have, like to explain to the listeners a little bit about like where did that coaching staff go wrong? Because I know you had said that like the players even agreed that we're on the team that there was a bit of an issue with how this coaching staff was going forward on their positivity training. I'm just curious about like is there a time with coaching that like did this go a little bit different or a little bit awry? Yeah. So would you want to really talk about my first year of college? So like the one where it was particularly there was an issue with the staff. The one yes. where I was off the team? Yeah. Okay. Because the issue of the staff, again, <laughs> like, the players agreed that there was an issue with the staff. Yeah, so for anyone
0: who doesn't know, I went to Northeast Texas, and it was a community college out of Mount Pleasant. Um, I, at the time, had been drafted by the Baltimore Orioles in the 21st mm-hmm. round. My ego was definitely at its high. I felt very uh, praised about myself, and I thought I was you know the next best thing. So that I had learned because I had always been taught by some people around me that you kind of have to fake it till you make it. And that's kind of walking around almost on that thin line of confidence and arrogance. And I was a little bit more on the side of the arrogance. And this is a part of my journey that I learned from, and I was definitely humbled. So Uh, definitely a cool experience of what not to do at times. But when I showed up to school, this coaching staff, one of the coaches I got along with very well, Mm -hmm. he ended up being the coach that worked with the players the majority of the time. Our other coach was the athletic director, but he was also the main manager of the team. So he called the shots when it came to mostly everything. Now, unfortunately, I think there was a discrepancy in how I was taught baseball at a younger age and my natural instincts of watching a game. Whenever I pick into a sport, I go watch the best. I go mm. look at the professional level and I see that what are the all-stars, big leaguers doing and how can I implement that into my game to make me closer to their level and mm. their caliber, right? That's, that's yeah. the focus. You always go look at the best for the most part. Yeah. So the way I carried myself was very much like I was a big leaguer, but I didn't do it in the sense of big leaguing people. I did it in the sense of how my energy flowed. So if we're in practice wow. and it's an unnecessary thing to apply a lot of energy towards, well I'm gonna dial it back a little bit because one, you don't need to injure yourself. Two, going balls to the wall as we like to yep. put it, or two rah rah, which is very college like is something I'll say many times, mm. is not always going to be the most beneficial for when you're doing reps. Now there is times that you need to be at game speed. You have to do reps. Yep. And depending on what we're doing, hundred percent I would be at game speed. But I also had an issue with my own self that I would be very, very hard on myself if I didn't get results. So this coach was very set on no matter who you are, how good you think you are, it's always about the team. And I believed in that. That's true. That's that's always true. And this was something I had to learn. And this is where this experience came in. But I had a troublesome time of listening to a coach who didn't really study the game to the level that it was going to help my performance at the professional level. He was very much small ball, how are we going to find a way to win this baseball game? But I was so focused on development that I was not so focused about the team winning. I was at Mm JUCO to go and get drafted again. My mindset, the only reason I went to this school, out of all the schools I could go to, was to try and go there and get drafted again. So it was a wrong mindset. If I would have went there and thought, how could I be the best teammate I could be? How could I just be focused on doing those things? It would have actually made my results probably better. But because I came in with more of the I'm better than most and I just got drafted and I think I'm on cloud nine, it made me have this, I guess, isolative or isolation of an attitude that other than the two other Canadians that were there with me, I really wasn't close to anyone else on the team other than my one roommate. There was a few guys who got along because we had similar mindsets. We were talented. We could respect each other of our abilities. But I definitely had an issue at times with being able to let things go. So there was an instance when we were in fall ball, and we had a little bit of a tournament with other JUCOs at our field, and I I rolled over on a ball to the shortstop, ran through the bag, whatever, at first, and I grabbed my bat, and I kind of huck it towards the dugout, like near where the other bats are, but it skips off the sand and goes into the dugout and almost hit my head coach. So obviously that's a no-no for all athletes, don't do that. (laughs) But that was me having that time where my ego, was definitely too high, and I needed to improve that. And along my journey, I definitely fixed that. (laughs) But there was just because of, again, going through the childhood of being always a great athlete, always having a lot of success, then getting to the point where, yeah, in JUCO you start to see better competition, but I had such a high expectation for myself, and high standard, that I still saw myself being better than what I was facing. So I thought my success should be way higher. And it was actually only being a detriment my overall results, but then it made me look like kind of a, an idiot, of course, yeah. that I wasn't able to just let things go. I was very selfish, as you would say, at those times yeah. to be focused more on the team. Because when you actually try to compete for the team that I learned over time, yeah. <laughs> you end up actually playing better because you yeah. take the stress off of yourself that this is about me. It's about a bigger picture, right? Yeah. And that bigger picture is going to lead to you performing better. So it's kind of yeah. a weird thing. It's like you take the stress off of yourself and your results, and put it more towards the task and the job that you have to do right now. And if you execute that to your best, you end up naturally creating your best result that you could have ended up anyways. Mm-hmm. So that experience, the coach had a philosophy very much of a raw raw mentality. That every pitch, everyone's got to be saying something. You keep the energy out. This is our memory, yeah. really really high uh, energy in the dugout. Because, of course, at that level, we don't have lots of people in the stand. It's very mm-hmm. much, it feels like you're on a backfield when it comes to, like, sprint training. And you're in the middle of nowhere, right? There's cows in that field kind of thing. So I ended up being a person going through my times that I always believed the way I <laughs> gave towards the team, the way that my um, natural way of helping the team was by performing, was yeah. by the results, So when I struggled at times with consistency of results, I naturally was never the person to be loud and rah-rah and a very overly chatty person towards the game. Like, hey, here we go, kid, let's go. That just wasn't who my personality was. And there's a lot of people like that. It's just some people are more introverted when they're playing. Some are more extroverted. Some just love to just talk. That's just how their personality is. But I had a troublesome time with always wanting to be chatty. And that was something that was like kind of an X beside my name that I wasn't being a good yeah. teammate, right? But realistically, is I was just really focused on yeah. what am I gonna make my adjustment in the next step bad, right? And this doesn't mean I wouldn't say good things or still be happy, I just yeah. wouldn't be to the point that they wanted me to be. And mm-hmm. being you're in a different environment, you're thousands of miles away from home, the exactly. culture's different, yeah. right? There is some different aspects of course when it comes to your skin tones it can make it a difference. Um, unfortunately, I had a coach that pretty much referred to me as boy all the time. So that was different for me. It's yeah. something in the south that you have to sometimes get used to. Yeah. Um, and I just had to know how to <laughs> kind of do what they wanted me to do, but in the back of my mind, still do what I want, I want to do. do. Yeah. I didn't know how to do that well, right? And that's something you learn along in life, especially when you have yeah. a boss or you're in in some type of field or whatever, that there's someone ahead of you or above you in terms of the chain of command, that they want you to go about it the way that they see it. Mm -hmm. And you have to find a way to work along with that and try it and do it their way. But potentially there might be a different way that works better for you, or in the back of your head, you know that that's not necessarily what aligns with your values or how you go about it, but you're gonna still make it seem that you're trying to do it this way, even though in the long run, you're trying to get to a whole different picture. So it was something I had to learn, but there was some issues with my own anger that I would out outlash yeah. when um, <laughs> uh, I would have not the best results. So that made the coach already have an idea of me from that one instance that I was just a hothead, I thought too much yeah. of myself, I think I'm better than everyone, and all those things, but really I worked my butt off. I was yeah. there first practice and I left last at practice. You know what I mean? So the arrogance was coming from how hard I worked. But it was also this idea that I needed to be – I didn't have true inner confidence at the time. So the arrogance was trying to give me the confidence. Yeah, I was, like, really weak-minded, really. Because if you use anger to get through adversity, it's very weak-minded. When you can be zen and believe in yourself and really inner self has a good self-esteem. Yeah. And you can be a great person. You don't have to be mean or rude or, you know – uh, against the grain of what helps the team, then it's going to be beneficial in an overall perspective. But yeah, yeah, that experience was definitely interesting. And for the most, if you guys don't know, it actually got me kicked off my team after six games into the season. And that was a lesson I had to learn. Right? Yeah. Now, I was fortunate yes. enough, like, think about it, right? You're coming from Canada. Your parents are nowhere to be found. They visit once mm-hmm. a year, maybe, to come watch you play. You went there with this high hopes of being this next level athlete, you know, I'm going there to get drafted. So my mindset was too focused on the next steps. Yeah. Instead of going there and just enjoying that journey of the process, yeah. I was so focused on leaving there, on getting to a professional team, on getting out of there, that I was, everything that someone was trying to show me, I was like, well, you don't really know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And there was issues, okay, Yeah. when we were doing certain drills. When we had a triple A player for the Oakland Athletics, Jermaine Mitchell, he came yeah. out and we're doing base running, and because University of Arizona did something in the World Series, mm-hmm. that was like this strategy, this was a specific one, I'll give you the story, we mm-hmm. had to run straight at the base, and like three feet from the base, try to make a sharp turn and go. to try, try yeah. and fool them that we're running through the bag, compared to uh, yeah. rounding the bag to go second. Well, we had like three dudes roll their ankles while doing the draw, and I did it like twice, and... I I was able to do it, but it definitely felt awkward, and it was unnecessary. If there's, like, a trick play or something you're doing, cool. If it's, like, for a specific time only, great. But he was trying to say, like, we should run bases like this all the time. Well, here comes the AAA player in our drill, and he takes the normal rounding of the bag, how you're supposed to, and he looks at us, and he uh, he was talking to me. He's like, man, what are you guys doing? (laughs) This is what I'm saying. So there was times where because of the drills we were doing and the way he would coach it, I knew he wasn't gonna help me in the baseball aspect because there is a level of intelligence when it comes to each sport. And sometimes, you know, I'm very fortunate, I had a good understanding of the game from a young age and I always watched the best. And I'd watch big league games, you know what I mean? When you're in college, it's a stepping stone. But I didn't mm-hmm. need to go to college. I got drafted to go straight to the minor Yeah. So I already had the abilities and the mindset, technically, yeah. to be in professional baseball. That was Baltimore. but right? it, Yeah, it was Baltimore. But it also gave me too much of an ego so that when I was here to think that I'm above someone else, that yeah. this coach has nothing to do to me. He was 30 years old. He was young. He had his own you know, yeah. insecurities and ego too. And when you have two egos clash, it was almost like he thought I was trying to like coach people away from his philosophy because mm-hmm. I was sharing my insight of things and it didn't always align with what the coach was trying to say. But I was aligning it with what I'm watching on TV, what I'm listening to from past coaches who have been professionals, and even I've met big leaders along the way, and picked their mind, yeah. right? But there's a whole different way the game's played in professional baseball than when it is in college. And I had to understand, I'm in college. You're on a college field. You're no better than the person who's on that field with you. No matter how talented you are, you have to go out there and play college baseball. When you get to professional baseball, Then you get the right and you've earned the ability to go play professional baseball. Then you can say maybe a few words to the umpire about a call you didn't like. Then you can walk off the field a little bit differently. But when you're in college, there's a certain way it's done. And I just didn't know how to get away from the way I was with the Ontario Blue Jays, where they groomed us to be more professional. They still uh, instilled the values of college baseball and how to be like, run off the field, Always be a good teammate, you know. Do all the things that you naturally be. More rah rah, mm. but they at the same time were developing us to be the next cream of the crop for professional baseball from Canada, right? For especially Ontario area, uh, yeah. and it was a hard thing to disconnect that I'm yeah. I'm not better than these people, and that I, I can just do what I need to do because really I don't need to be here. And set taught me a really big lesson, and then I got four months of sitting you know, off the team, where I just worked on myself, trained, and did we stuff. Trained, yeah. And fortunate enough for me that I had a lot of other scouts who really liked me, and I still got drafted that year, yeah. 37th round of the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Right? So it was pretty much like a, hey, we might have the opportunity for a contract yeah. for you, but it's so late in the rounds that there might not be enough roster spots. Yeah. So I had to experience that, too, where I was in Kansas, which was one of the coaches mm-hmm. that I got really along with. So um, he was from Kansas. Yeah, and um, that naturally um, gave me the opportunity to actually go into Kansas, play some summer baseball to get more yeah. bats under my hand, um, under my feet, I should say, because I had all this time now of not competing. So I had then, I already made a transfer to Howard College, which is on the complete opposite side of Texas and Big Spring. And they were a well-known juco. They had been first overall in the nation. When I was there, we were first overall yeah. for a while. We were a really talented club, and there was quite a few kids who came off there in the top ten rounds that were amazing athletes. And just because I needed to play some baseball, I went to Kansas and that one coach knew my personality. He knew I wasn't this kid that when I'm on the field, it was almost like I was a different person. It was yeah. like a different side of me came out that kinda kinda got a little too aggressive too angry on myself, too critical. But off the field, I was like the nicest, kindest human yeah. being. So the coach who worked with me off the field knew that and just saw that I just needed to work on my mental side of the game. Whereas my manager who didn't do much of that only saw one side of me and thought very much that was my personality. So it made a big conflict of interest. But you know, luckily I went to Kansas and had a great summer, had a really fun time. And that set me up to go to Howard College yeah. where then I had Probably one of my best that. statistical college years. <laughs> I was gonna say. So, like,
1: if you think about it this way. We talked about at the very beginning of the interview about we were talking about that age where you realize the body and mind match together a little bit. That that's an important aspect of sport. You're saying it was around 16, you began to realize that. Well, then you're talking about now when you're 18, 19, 20. Yeah. That's when you're like, oh no, <laughs> like mindset is where it's at. And can yeah. I just say, as we wrap this up?
0: Yeah.
1: You know. Seeing you grow up and become an athlete here in Sarnia, like yeah, you could tell that like body was the main part of your your game. Like you really thought that way. The mindset part was kind of like a second thought.
0: Yeah. But then like it just kinda came.
1: Yeah, it just kinda came natural. But when you came home, like after your time in college, you could tell the mindset changed. Right. And all of a sudden, like when we're competing with you, when we're playing with you, we're just having fun, we can tell that your mindset really grew and matured and i'll just give one last story it was like last summer we were both in a triathlon together um <laughs> you did the biking portion, i did the running and i remember we were waiting for a swimmer to come back yeah and it was the first time in years i saw locked in julian <laughs> ready to go but it was different like again like you're saying that aggression side of it like, it was different because like it was the plan it was the structure it was the routine it was a joint i remember but just in such a matured way, man. So when I read the book, it just like was like wrapping up to me that development even within you. And I really appreciate that you were able to share with me today a little bit more yeah, about something, true. especially these challenging moments, right? So yeah. thank you, man. I really I,
0: appreciate that. I, I appreciate you saying that, too. And I remember you mentioning that when you were saying, like, man, this is locked in jewels. But definitely with a much better mindset. Yeah. Right, and I needed uh, a little bit of those hardships, or those mistakes, or the failure, in order to learn the lesson, in order to grow. And that's mm-hmm. why my experiences. When you ask me how I would coach a kid, I would just be very open and say, like, "Hey, where you are is not where you're going to be. You mm-hmm. have to do things poorly before you can do them great." And something that I struggled with was that mental side. So I really focused on us being able to work together. And you know the right coaches, the right mentors, reading the right books, and that was the biggest thing that allowed me to change my perception of how I approached competition, of taking it a little bit more. The preparation, you know, important. the preparations is Planning, important. planning is important. Prioritizing what training your training is important for the competition. But, but I also just I also knew just knew that that. If you have a mindset, mindset that is very is focused, very focused on, on, yourself, on yourself, especially when you're especially on of team, team, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. So we need, so a cheer we need to on cheer on our swimmer, swimmer. Things, things didn't out, work the out, the out, swimmer got canceled, of lightning, yeah. so then, then it all of a sudden threw a curveball where then, hey, you're about to go right now, and it's just going to be us two as a squad, and hey, yeah. we pulled out of second place. We got silver. <laughs> that was a real feeling, yeah. It was pretty cool, and even on the bike ride, I had so much adrenaline, and unfortunately, I ate a little bit mistimely, so I did get sick on the bike. Yeah. But I was able to keep pedaling after a while and maintain a pace that we were able to still come second. Yeah. And it was kind of a cool experience for me because being I've just gotten into cycling in the last couple of years, I'm seeing these Team Canada triathletes, you know, that I'm passing, and then when I got sick, they passed me back. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a it was a cool experience to let me know where my level of athleticism is. Yeah. And even being so fresh into a sport, um, but yeah, it was definitely I've matured in the sense of. One, you need to be a good sport.
1: Mm-hmm. At the
0: end of the day, it's about coming together in a community and seeing people give it their all, be at their best, and see others want to give their best. Right? That that's really important. Mm-hmm. But also, I had a better maturity that just to have fun, yeah. right? And naturally, you're looser, you're more calm. But I still have the side of me that knew how to be dialed in, how to be yeah. focused, how to be disciplined, and be really. I, I would get. I would say just focus towards. What am I trying to work towards? But knowing I did put in the practice, I did put in the work and to just trust it. And then just have fun in that moment and just go by the feels, yeah. right? Not try to be critical or over analytical and what's to be will be. Yeah. So it did take years of you know trial and error. Yeah. It took different books I read that changed my mindset. It yeah. took listening to different coaches, mentors and gurus. But I also worked on things on my other side of my personality. Not just my athletic side or, you know, the whole athlete world, but I worked on my mindfulness. I worked on being more calm in my mind, more still, a kinder person at all times. Mm -hmm. And I would say growing up, I was always a kind individual. I never would say I'm going on my way to, you know, be mean or rude. I just had an inability at times to not compete and let it get overboard, yeah. right? And when we were younger, yeah. to not let it come off the field as you would say. Mm-hmm. To have it a disconnect, disconnect that when you compete, you leave it on the field, when you come off, you're it. And then just whatever you did, put your best effort, great. Yeah. So, um, but also because, you know, depending on the level, like I, I'll tell you a story right now. When it comes to playing volleyball on Sundays, it's yeah. competitive Sundays, right? It's competitive yeah. volleyball, right? And Mo would laugh about this too, my girlfriend. But there's times where, you know, I want our team to be doing better, right? And again, depending on, you know, the level of what everyone's bringing to the team in your abilities, athleticism, but also your effort levels is going to completely change on the result of the team, right? And there's sometimes that everyone's feeling in a good mood. So we play a little better as a team. Then there's other times where, as a team, the mood's not really there. So then individuals start trying to force things and make it happen. Yeah. And it becomes very you know, tedious and hard for me to deal with at times because I'm so competitive. And I expect, you know, then I put more pressure on myself. And then I actually make my own level of uh, results hinder from that. And I just make my own performance actually lesser of what it should be yeah. instead of just trying to find a way at times. And this is, this is something that's cool for me. Because when the moments happen, I step back and I go, man, I need to always remind myself I'm the mindset coach. I got to yeah. always find a way to be positive in this moment where everyone else is not very happy yeah. with what's going on. So I've gotten better at it, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, Monica, she being a tennis player growing up, she learned how to move on from things really fast. Being a baseball player, you get time to kind of work through things in your psyche. And being a different sport, she's taught me along the way of the better way to handle when things aren't going your way in those individual moments. Right, because right after that, you could have the opportunity to get a good spike and everything's kind of like flushed out. But if it keeps lingering and you keep kind of keeping that mood or that energy that is just stressing each other out or you're not communicating well or you're kind of like trying to point fingers at, oh, well you didn't do this, well you didn't Mm -hmm. do that, and it just makes the team not work well. So then it's a great way for me to keep developing myself as being a more positive teammate at all times, even when it's just for fun, as we put it. But when when the word competitiveness or competition is involved, uh, especially because it's competitive volleyball, then I I naturally am just going to turn on that next gear. And I get into that locked-in mode. But when people around me are not at the level of work ethic or their effort level, I don't expect them to match my athleticism because I train and I've been a certain type of athlete. But sometimes I also have to step back and be like, who's on the court? What's their reason for playing? They're not taking it as serious as you. So maybe you need to dial it back and just have a little bit more fun. And the better I was able to just remind myself of fun, then even the times where it's not going as it should, and I would get upset a little bit to try and be like, hey, let's figure this out (laughs) to try and win, I would actually take it in a better approach and be a little bit more mindful to Mm -hmm. keep smiling Keep talking. Hey, we got this. So what? Let's move on to the next one. Let's just make a good pass here and start doing the things that put people in you know, a good mindset <laughs> yeah. and more positive. So yeah.
1: that's pretty fun. Yeah, I, I just, just want to make one, one note about even the triathlon a little bit. Yeah, I remember after the race and people had seen what happened during your ride. Yeah, but you had sponsored triathletes, cyclists actually come up to you after and say like, "You got something, man. Yeah, you're doing amazing. What you did. We're sorry to see what happened. <laughs> like just like I remember even the one gentleman. Who Won won the race. Yeah, yeah. He just came out so you after. was just like, no, you, you competed today. Like you yeah. were up there with us. Yeah. You had your bad break, but take that as a learning experience. And you did. You, you totally took that stride. We're, we're preparing for this summer to be able to compete again and get the yeah. gold this time because absolutely, I mean we definitely. definitely can. I got one last question for you because I think that like every one of our conversations has kind of come around the big picture.
0: Yeah. And about the idea
1: of the big picture. Yeah. And in the book, you really talk about as the individual and the big picture and keeping that in mind. Yeah. but as you've alluded to a few times when you're on a team mm-hmm. the big picture can get really hard because everyone has their individual big pictures within that situation I want to tell you a story I heard last night from another athlete he was mm-hmm. talking about a team here in town, a well known team I'm not going to say which team because we're not going on a <laughs> fashion of teams uh, they had a 20 game losing streak and like, they're, 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 horrendous. they're making the playoffs somehow within the city but they're a horrendous talk for, like, team right now Yeah, and the guy who was in the crowd watching, he's like, you wanna know what it is? I was like, what is it? He's like, there's one guy on the team, by far the biggest point scorer on the team. Hmm. However, during the games, he'll flat out steal the puck from players. So we're talking about he'll flat out steal the puck from players. He'll flat out outrush people, like not be the team. In that bigger image, you know, the team wants to succeed. The team wants to win. Yeah. But in his, he's thinking, like, oh, no, like, I am the team on this one. Yeah. So, Coach, one last time, I'm going to just talk to you about when you got the player on your team Yeah. that the bigger picture is his success or her success, how do you wind that player in? Because you don't want to get rid of a player. You want to be able to work with the player, especially if they are naturally gifted. Now that you're getting to this point of coaching, like, how do you work with the individual to say like, okay, how can we make our team image everyone on the same page? Everyone has that same image, same goal to strive for. How can we work together on this? Well, this is interesting and I'm gonna use a
0: really good um, analogy for this one. Ronaldo Messi. Yeah. Okay. This is something I've looked at many times and for me, uh, you're saying that, there was times where I was on a team and I got to be that athlete that Was a part of a team that was not the greatest, yeah. And I also can go back to our story of playing graded soccer, uh, where we, (laughs) in my mind, our bigger picture was for us to win the trophy, sure. Yeah, do
1: you mind if I share this? Like, (laughs) I kind of want to give, yeah, okay, go ahead, I want to give uh, listeners an understanding, like. We did not deserve to be in that tournament. The only reason we were in that tournament was because Julian was on our team. Like, you know, the situations where, like, I even a the goalie, goals. like, exactly, like the goalie's lay in the goals and Julian would have to rush down the field to get more of the goals. That was the situation. So, we made the semifinals. We, yes. we made it pretty far in this. Yeah. But our coach had an issue with this. None of the players had an issue with it, but the coach did. And before yes. the game, she sat Julian down and said, you need to pass the ball and (laughs) julian's response like but we're not going to win if we do that she's like no you need to pass the ball we lost we did we lost uh julian was pretty bad after as we were all bummed but julian was mad because he knew that this was absolutely the case because again you know like canada we're starting to get more known for soccer
0: but like yeah. The kids on the team who were good at this sport were all like Italian, Portuguese, Brazilian, <laughs> yeah. or some other nation as their culture. Yeah. So they grew up playing and watching more soccer. So yeah. they understood the game and they played it differently. Right? But for the most part, our school wasn't the most talented out of the schools in Sarnia. We were on the more lower right? income schools. We yeah. were on the lower yeah. income schools it's just how it worked. Um, but with this story, this ties into again, when we have an athlete who believes they're a bigger pitcher is if I don't perform, well, we as a team don't perform. Yeah. I am the team, kinda. And grade eight was a great example where we were able to get so far on yeah. just individual talent, on just the Ronaldo, as you wanna put it, yeah. right? Who could literally go from one end to the other end and score a goal. I was also, at the time, playing travel soccer, Yeah. and I was practicing almost everyday playing. So naturally, until we played against Gregory Hogan, that which had cool. all, all the people. kids on my travel team, <laughs> Then we didn't have a chance because they just isolated me and it just we lost by a big margin. Okay. Um, but that experience is always to this day. I'll remember her screaming at me to pass the ball and I would pass it to someone and I'd say, Pass it back, pass it back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and again, we would do it because, like, we knew the situation, we knew why we were there. We were just happy to be there kind of a thing. It we had a of lot school, of people like- happy
0: to be there, but at the same time, there was people who wanted to win.
1: Yeah. But my
0: level of winning from a very young age was very much only win and there's no such thing as losing. Right? I was like I was a crybaby when I lost when I was growing up as a kid. That's, That's just, just how I was. But it yeah. was just that level of competitiveness and being a different mindset at the time. Yeah. But, you know, going back to the coaching perspective, now if I'm the coach, right, and I see there's a team as a whole that is not necessarily the greatest, but there's that one-star player, I would use the reference, it's hard with Messi and Ronaldo because they both play on teams that have a lot of players just around like them. That greatest are playing, around them, too, yeah. Right? But you can see how they facilitate their skills and their talent make the people around them better yeah when you we'll use ronaldo first ronaldo is a talent that was built he put that hard work in he obviously has some natural talent but he was a person who had a crazy work ethic and then it fruitioned into who he is now yeah generational player for sure one of the best and one of the greatest but if you see how he condones himself on the field it's a very much when i have the ball i'm going to do my own thing and try to find a way to score at all times, yeah, he'll make that good pass. Yeah, he might, you know, look for the next player. But he's so focused on if I don't score, we don't win, that his bigger picture is also about his results. Because he's yeah. still competing for the Ballon d'Or. He yeah. still wants to be better than Messi. So he's got a little bit of that ego involved, and I'm sure Messi has towards Ronaldo, but how he shows it is different, right? So Messi could be the same way. And there is times where he's a little bit of a ball hog too. But his skill with the ball is different from Ronaldo. Yep. A little bit different of a player, for sure. Power punch, yeah. One more of a, of a power striker compared to your center midfielder, right? And Messi was a striker at one point, too, as he was starting his career, and then he moved around. But if you see the energy that Messi brings, he is more of a leader, more of a captain, more of a guy that's going to you know lead by passing the guys, giving people the opportunity to score another goal, knowing it's okay to make the assist because in the bigger picture we win as a team. He does very well because his talent naturally shines and he scores the goals, and he does take a little bit of selfishness at times to score the goal, but because of how well he incorporates his teammates, yeah. or how he behaves on the field with his teammates, off the field with his teammates, how he's a leader towards his talent, people want to give him the ball. If you even saw in this last World Cup, Ronaldo got benched, okay? Yeah. And they said he was underplaying, you know, of his abilities, because when he was on the field, everyone was so focused on he needs to touch the ball. So you can yeah. isolate that on the field and you can do a little notch. And then he puts pressure on himself that he's got to do more and more and more. Whereas Messi just let the game kind of come to him and knew that he had a team that is going to help him score, But as well, he's willing to you know divert that out and help others to be the, the goal scorers too. Then, naturally, they have better chemistry. They have better things. There's also been other instances where Ronaldo off the field with teammates had, has conflicts where mm-hmm. they're arguing in the locker room where he's trying to scream at people and tell people what to do, and nobody likes a boss, right? Yeah. Especially if you're the player who everyone sees as. You're the Ronaldo. You're that guy. Um, you need to find a way to try and make people play their best. And yeah. putting them down or telling them they did wrong is not going to help any athlete be more confident in himself or really be in a good spirit that is going to work along you to be their best version. Whereas Messi had more of the ability to guide people, to make things of like, hey, let's make this adjustment. Let's do this. But he was also a better facilitator. He would always help more. So I would just use other instances, especially if I was my own team, right, when it comes to it, Mm -hmm. to explain to the athlete, if we were to go look at the elite athletes, the ones who are on TV, the most pressure, the most, you know, of everything, and we see how they handle the situation, Being on a bad team in a professional level. It's hard to say because everyone's good at that level, but we still as fans will say that team's good, that team's bad. Even though all those people are very good. It's Mm -hmm. just generalization. But it's showing the example that when you are the best on the team, you need to find a way to make everyone around you play to their best. Mm -hmm. It might not mean you win a a lot of games, but it's going to actually be better for you, because. If you're trying to move on to the next level, scouts want to see you being a good teammate. Scouts want to see you being a leader, no matter what sport. Scouts want to see you having fun and smiling in what yeah. you're doing. If you're out there trying to steal the puck, trying to rush guys off of things, trying to force it, well then, yeah, potentially your talent could be at a different level. Maybe you do better with more, obviously, guys at your talent level. But sometimes, you know, I'm sure there's times where maybe Connor McDavid wants someone his caliber him. But if he knows, if I make this pass, we might not score, so I'm going to try and dangle and do it myself. It's very difficult at times as the athlete to not get very coerced into the thought process that, well, as a team, our bigger picture is winning. Well, I'm our best player, so I need to take all the shots. I need to be the one trying to create those opportunities. And sometimes that actually is a detriment, and Mm -hmm. they'll actually make things worse because now you're making other guys not believe in themselves So you're showing that, well, you don't trust them, and potentially some guys might want to have animosity towards you to show you up and not pass to you. When you are in the right position for that goal to be scored, they don't want to pass. Now they want to be selfish because you're being selfish. So it would be reminding them that they're going to create a reflection of themselves on their team. If you're the best player and you're showing guys that you're willing to pass, assist, and be a great teammate, it's going to come back around to you They're going to want to pass to you for you to score the goal, and you're actually going to score more goals. He's actually going to be seen as even a better player because then his team will be working because they'll know that he is the best player. They'll know that. And they'll help facilitate him to score goals because they know, I have confidence in passing to him. I know. And they're okay with if he misses because they know 9 out of 10 times he probably puts that in. But if he's very selfish, then the person who doesn't get the puck back from him is going to be like, you know what, I'm not passing. I'm going to try to do it myself to beat the guy. And then that's, it actually makes the result worse as a team. So it would be always finding a way to teach them to be a leader, to try and help everyone around you to lift their self up, to try and be at necessarily your level. Or as a as a leader on the team, like Michael Jordan would do, hey, you guys need to be at 4 a.m. lift with us. You need to be at practice early in the rise with us. If you're going out and partying and drinking and doing all that fun stuff, well, you'd be better better be ready to compete yeah. and do the things you need to do on the court. So it's all about when you're the best player, you have to find a way to make the players around you better. And if you're making everyone worse or you're doing it in a selfish way, it's only going to be a detriment to the team. And having that bigger picture is where they need to come together, where the pictures need to align. That, again, depending on the sport, it's very difficult for a team sport to an individual sport. You take a golfer or a tennis player, you know, uh, and you tell them to change their mindset, it's going to be different because their bigger picture... Is not towards a team, it's towards winning, which is why those sports are really hard mentally. Golf is a very mental sport. Tennis is a very mental sport. That doesn't mean basketball, soccer, baseball, football aren't, but you have someone to lean on. Oh, I didn't really do it, so I'll lean on my teammate to succeed, and you can win as a team even though someone made a mistake or failed. If you fail in those individual sports, you lose, right? So that's why the psyche of those athletes is cool to listen to, and that's why it's amazing I get to learn from Mo in her experiences Mm -hmm. and how it was being a tennis player at a high level, and what she went through with the mental battle of what you need to be on a court to, you know, want to be a good sport, but at the same time, bounce back from an intense rally, or something that didn't go your way, either in your control or out of your control, and how did you move on to make an adjustment, make it a better approach, and then still compete and have confidence in yourself on that next game, right? So, yeah, bigger picture, always got to be focused on if you're the best athlete, Making everyone around you play even better. Yeah. And if you're finding a way to make others worse, especially in a team sport, yeah. then you're actually not the best player because yes. the best that player makes people it. around them even better. Yeah. So that's how I'll put that note. So as we can keep talking, talking all day. All day well, I know. I decide. <laughs> especially like,
1: we ain't even get into meditation or anything like that. Yeah. Yes. It has to be more We'll, talk we'll about. do a part two. Absolutely, but <laughs> listeners, the power of mental toughness, ten days for peak <laughs> athletic performance. On Amazon, I'm telling you, it's a great book. Mm-hmm. Uh Jules a thank you again. i be on to ask the questions. Thanks and, for coming yeah. over for a cup of coffee and going through the book.
0: Absolutely. For anyone who's tuned in, if you go on my profile, you'll be able to click the link that goes to the website. You will see right there the link to the book. There's the Audible, there's the ebook, and there's the hard copy. As well, I have an app out. So if there's any of these things that want to help you with your mental toughness, being more mindful. But as well, the right amount of exercise and routines to do for workouts, having the right nutrition plans, And diving into meditation and breathing techniques, all of that is on my app. All of that is through that link. It's free to download. A lot of the content is free. If you want to level up, there is a subscription you can go through. And it would be very thankful because there's a lot of hard work put into it. But I just want everyone to be able to have a better mindset and be focused on being the best version of themselves. And from my experiences and my journey, I share that into the book. I share that into my app. And all the content that I'm always creating, either on Wisdom or through my blogs and my content on Instagram, YouTube, I'm always going to be finding ways to help teach you guys from my life lessons in order to be the best version of yourself. So I appreciate everyone for tuning in. This is part one of going through the book review. Definitely, we talked a lot longer than we even expected, but it's so natural for both of us to do because we're best friends. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) we'll definitely have a part two where we can dive into meditation and more mindfulness aspects that also enhance your mental toughness but as well make you a better athlete and person on and off the field all right so stay strong stay consistent stay healthy and stay in the moment as best as you can keep developing yourself and level up love you guys and have a beautiful day